So in a coded treat, there are different options to help each other and how attendees can help themselves and also us, I would like to discuss later in this episode. Hi, my name is Peter Kofler. I am the Code Cop. Obviously, I'm fanatic about clean code, and for many years, I tried hard to develop quality software. Eventually, I had to change my motto to developing quality software developers. In this podcast, I will answer questions about facilitation, hosting, and participation of coded reads, and any kind of hands-on session in general. If you have any questions regarding your coded read, please send me an email or leave me a comment. Today, I'm here with uh, Amelie. Amelie is a software crafter based in Scotland. Hi, Amelie. Hi, Peter. Thank you How for you? having me. It's uh, good to chat about the different ways we can help each other. Do you think there are also ways that people like help themselves? Yes, uh, if people can have an idea also of the, the main thing they're trying to learn during the event, and that can adapt after they hear more about the start of the event and they can concentrate on that. For example, uh, when I started going to code retreats, I thought that I wanted to learn a new language. That was the main reason that I wanted to attend. And so I tended to try and find pairs during the event who uh, were familiar with that language. So there are many aspects that you can cover in a single code retreat. So having a bit of a think beforehand of what it is you want to concentrate on this time uh, help. And realizing that there are, there are many things you can practice at once. So uh, the example I traditionally take is if you happen to have been doing development for quite a while in your experience, you can see the code retreat as a way to practice your mentoring skill, for example, and so you might help other people in the in the retreat who are less experienced. But you can also, for example, practice your feedback giving skill. And you can think of it as the organizers themselves are also looking to improve the way they organize the event. So you can also look at the the retreat itself as a way to practice your feedback giving skills. A prerequisite would be that I have some idea what I could learn there, and then I need some idea how I would do that. Right? So that's not applicable to first-time participants? Or do you have any tricks here how we can already bring that to first-time participants? I was facilitating an event once that was very surprising to me in the sense that we had people who had never done coding at all. Mm. And I'm trying to remember how we helped them throughout the day. I think we were quite open at the beginning of the event and we asked people both how we could help them best and also asked other attendees to pair with them if they were comfortable. So having a kind of a two-way consent was what made the event uh, enjoyable for everybody. What I often did, but then it makes the event more difficult to facilitate, so I'm not recommending it for like first-time facilitators, that in the beginning I would ask people for what they want to learn, and then I would try to create the arc on the spot based on what I see on the on the flip chart or wherever they put their ideas. Right? Mm -hmm. so it, sometimes it worked out and sometimes the ideas are so diverse, like uh, someone wants to do mobile development. Um, not sure that is like, you can do mobile development on a code retreat, but it's not the focus. 
and some want to know more about testing so it's like all spread over uh, mm. the place especially mm. for first time participants so i still don't know how i could focus that to uh, help Uh, especially first-time participants help them to help themselves basically right so they because if i know what i want to learn then it's much easier to focus on these topics uh, mm. for example but you touch upon something which is very important i've learned recently which is to visualize those things so when you were talking about having people put it on a whiteboard somewhere what they would like to learn and then it helps uh, attendees identify each other So maybe having both kinds of what are the things you would be comfortable sharing and helping other people learn and also what are you trying to learn yourself so you can uh, let people pair each other up. Rather than trying to uh, organize that yourself, putting that information somewhere where everybody can see it probably is how I would do it now. Making it explicit out of people's head and writing it somewhere. So you said you're doing that? Uh, I haven't practiced it in a code retreat, but yeah, at work, uh, that's okay. one of the big motto now, which is let the data do the talking. <laughs> so that's, that's intriguing. So that could be on the code retreat. It would mean that like every person says what she or he wants to learn. And then also they say what they are bringing to the table. So like what they are offering to teach, could it be? Exactly. And then, and then all the others can see, ah, what's here? So maybe someone shows me Go, because there's always a person uh, offering Go on the Vienna Code Retreats. <laughs> and maybe someone wants uh, to practice something. I'm also interested in that. It's like a marketplace then, right? Exactly. And I think I was doing that... Uh, in a restricted manner before because we would always try to pair up people on languages. So this kind of discussion, I'd like to learn X and I know Y, we would have that about the programming languages. But now that I'm thinking about it, we can just do it for any kind of skills. Mm -hmm. That would be a very neat way to combine two of my interests, which is the uh, code retreat and also the open space. <laughs> yeah, because that's the marketplace. I was exactly mm -hmm. thinking of the open space here. Mm -hmm. um, and then if I want to do something about X, I go to the people that offer X. Because you said you're doing that, but in a like an in-house environment, how is the challenge of facilitating that? Because it's, then you can't support everything, right? Indeed. And um, I find that a lot of people think that they don't have anything to contribute when, in fact, they do have lots of very interesting things to contribute. So... The, um, for me, the, the facilitation I have to do is to get out of the way, as it were, and not be in control of all those exchanges, but to create a space where people are comfortable enough that they can come forward with what they know. And I do that by uh, trying to encourage some communication before the event. Uh, because when you're doing event for the public, it's very likely that most people will have not met each other before. And so I would ang I would ask questions before the event and try to get a conversation going in whatever form possible. It all depends on uh, how you advertise your event. Uh, but most platforms allow you to have some kind of questions and comments. So I'd, I'd okay. try to make the event alive before the event so that some of those conversations have already started to happen and people don't start completely cold. That's pretty interesting. Um, 
So you would also collect interests and topics people want to learn upfront, if possible? Indeed. That's not something I've tried in the past because I was always using a very predefined format when I was doing the Global Day of Code Retreat. But in, yeah. a, in a general code retreat, I would totally do that, yes. Mm-hmm. Because it's not the traditional way. Uh, in Vienna, we also run a, a very small uh, code retreat. So basically, it's open, but it has uh, only 10 participants because mm-hmm. we don't want to waste, in quotes, uh, one facilitator because usually the facilitator wants to participate and not facilitate. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a close number. And there, uh, a Trello board is open two weeks up front and people put in what they want to work in. So it, it gets really mm-hmm. in the direction of a marketplace, but it's still mm-hmm. a code retreat. We have the sessions, uh, we have the topics, and then uh, there is a voting on them, and then we work through them based on priorities. So it's, it's, maybe that's the mixture you were looking for because it has the yeah, marketplace. It sounds very similar. Yeah. Some yeah. kind of involvement beforehand, and then on the day, people have already agreed what to work on. Or at least uh, they know what's happening, and there's a short introduction of all the topics, and then the voting. So uh, we can do that in half an hour. Mm. Um, I have not found a way to scale that to a big event, like with 40 participants. But then if they do it up front, it wouldn't matter. Right? They would have to do everything up front, and that's good. And we, maybe we'll try that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for uh, discussing uh, with me. Talking with you is uh, so intriguing, Amelie, because it's like um, it's not radical ideas, but it's not the classic, as you said, right? It's not a traditional format, mm-hmm. and it makes me think a lot. Likewise, it gave me a few new ideas that I can try. So thank you for the the discussion, and I look forward to see what this turned out to be. Yeah. This is all for this episode. I'm Peter Kofler and I wish you luck with your next Coded Read or hands-on workshop. If you have any questions regarding your Coded Read, please send me an email or leave a comment. I'm looking forward to hear from you about how your event went. Coded Reads are awesome. Let's have more of them. <laughs>